Welcome back to the Chicago Tomahawk. I'm Mike. Got my line mate Matt with me. And today is going to be our first, uh, what we're going to call a hot take with Jake, where Jake Hahn comes on the show and gives us a rundown of what's going on in the NHL, some stories that that have really stuck out during that uh, during that month. So we're doing the opening month of the NHL season, and it's great to have him back on the show. He usually does an awesome job on here, has some really good insight, and, uh, and to be honest with you, it's just a pleasure to talk hockey with. Welcome back to the show, Jake. Great to talk to you boys. Always uh, enjoyable, even better too during the during the season, right? I talked to you guys a little bit in the off season, and we're all excited for hockey to come back. So it's back now. We're a couple weeks into this thing. There's been a ton of surprises, some good, some bad, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting into it all with you guys. It's, it's nice to be into the season, and uh, it's nice to have games on every single night as well, and still be early enough in the thing where it doesn't feel like it's going to be over soon. So I'm I'm in a good place right now. Yeah, it is. You know. The- you know, the summer, it just seemed like the summer was so long. And then when the summer ended, we got the preseason and then the preseason just seemed like it was like an extension of the summer. It was just unbearably long. I honestly, man, I think that they should, uh, they should shorten the the preseason. What do you think? I completely agree. And I'm, I can't stand preseason in really any sport. And like, I understand why it's there. The players need to get ready. They need to get a couple games into them before the regular season starts. So I'm not saying we need to abolish it totally, but from a viewership perspective, from a fan perspective, I just have no interest in meaningless games, whether it's hockey, spring training, baseball that goes on for an entire month, you know, the <laughs> NFL preseason where starters aren't even playing, like the quarterbacks are just saying, no, I'm, I'm good. Just give me a couple snaps and I'm good to go. Uh, for, the, for the regular season. So when it comes to hockey, I'd say, what, two or three games max? Yeah. And, you know, you maybe get a look at a couple of the younger players, but... I don't know. I, I'd almost be more for going to that two or three games, having some scrimmages, uh, you know, with, with two teams. Like you'll see the Leafs do like a blue and white scrimmage or, uh, you know, the Flames do like a red and white scrimmage, whatever it is. I, I think you're almost getting enough out of that if you're a team trying to assess young players. So less preseason games for me, I would definitely be in on that. Yeah, I agree. You know, and I think one of the bonuses of the preseason is seeing some of the prospects that are that are in the in the pipeline that might come out. You know, the Blackhawks had a like a prospect kind of like a weekend with the Minnesota Wild that was that was pretty good where you got to see some players. I think that's pretty cool. You know, maybe they can show that, but you know, having five or six preseason games, I, I just think it's overboard, especially for, you know, established uh, especially established stars that are you know, like Patrick Kane doesn't want to play in, in preseason games. And I'm sure, you know, Austin Matthews is, isn't, you know, marking, putting circles around preseason games. So, um, so Jake, man, go on ahead and get into it, bro. Get into the, get into the season and uh, let us know what's, what's been standing out to you. Yeah, well, it's been interesting for so many levels, right? There's there's some good surprises, there's some bad surprises. A couple teams have really stood out to me that you know maybe I didn't expect would would play this well. I think St. Louis is a team that really jumps to mind right away as a team out of the gates at five and zero to start as as we talk right now, and they've looked really good doing it. They've won every single game in regulation. They've won every single game by multiple goals. Uh, they've scored twenty five goals I think in those five games, so they're averaging five goals a game. 
game right now. The, the Blues look really good, and I, I didn't really know what to make of them going into the season, but they look more like those old Blues from a couple years ago, so we'll see if, if they can sustain that, but they seem really deep up front. They have four lines that they can roll, and I think that's what's reminding me of that Blues Cup team, because when they were successful in the playoffs that year, they could roll four lines. There was different guys that could beat you on a nightly basis, and I'm kind of seeing that from St. Louis right now, and a healthy Vladimir Tarasenko, if he's healthy and he wants to play for St. Louis and, and you know they've kind of kissed and made up, that's pretty dangerous. So it kind of feels like the Blues are maybe back as a team that we need to take uh, serious right now. Uh, you look around the league at a couple of other su- surprises. Uh, Pittsburgh doing what they're doing with the injuries that they that they have, I think it is very surprising. I wasn't even high on Pittsburgh at all going into the season, and they've had a ton of injuries, and they've been able to, to get through them, and looks like they're getting Sidney Crosby back really soon. So maybe the Penguins aren't done just yet being a contender. I got to give props while we're talking about surprises too, though, to the Buffalo Sabres. 4-1-1 one, one to start the year. I don't think it's sustainable like it could be with St. Louis or Pittsburgh, a couple of other teams I just mentioned, but uh, I'm just happy for the Sabres. Their fan base has been through a lot over the last decade, a lot of losing. And like I said, I don't think that they're going to be a playoff team when it's all said and done, but it's nice to see them playing well, maybe putting the Jack Eichel situation to the side for now and showing that they've got some good young players that want to be there and could be a part of something to to build on for the future. Yeah, I agree 100%. You know, when you... You know, it seems like the Jack Eichel situation has kind of hijacked the the organization because all anybody wants to talk about is Buffalo and how much they suck and, and Jack Eichel and what are they going to do. And it's turned into a situation where they're like, hey, you know what? We still have heart and we're still we're still going to play as hard as we can. And, you know, they're putting the league on notice that we're not you guys aren't going to just walk all over us. You know, you're going to have to come in here and you're going to have to play hard because we're going to play hard. And, you know, I think that it's awesome. You know, uh, I was pretty rough on, on the Sabres uh, during the offseason, and I'm happy for for them to to be winning, man. You know, it, you, when, when you look at a team like Buffalo, you look at a team like like Arizona and just perennial losers, you know, and I mean, I, I mean that in, in the, in, not to be disrespectful, but it is what it is. And, you know, if anybody has a, you know, an issue with that, take it up with your organization. You know, I'm just telling you what I'm, what I'm seeing here and it sucks. You know, it, it sucks for the league because you want the most competitive league as you can. You want every organization out there doing the best that they can to put the best product out on the ice so that, you know, each division is competitive. And that's not always the case. And I think the Pacific Division is a very big uh, example of that, of where, um, you know, it, I would probably consider it the weakest division in, in in hockey. And then you look at, say, you know, the Atlantic Division, and it's just in, in, incredibly competitive there. And, uh, you know, I just want, you know, all teams to be competitive. You know, you hate seeing teams like, you know, Buffalo go through what they're what they are going through. And I think the Eichel situation is still going to rear its ugly head. I'm sure they're really happy right now that with everything that's going on with the Blackhawks, that, uh, you know, that they're not in the the NHL news as as much recently. But, um, but yeah, man, I'm happy to see it. What about you, Matt? Well, since we're talking about Eichel, do you think he's going to end up in Vegas, Jake? I've been hearing a lot of reports on that. Yeah, I know. I think that's a good question to to bring up because, you know, now that the you know, Sabres are playing well, they're clearly going to move on and we're getting into the season to the point like I think when we're talking about Eichel and we're talking about even other players that could be possible trade candidates, you know, before the deadline, we always talk about deadline players. 
teams don't want to make that trade three weeks a month into the season. You want to assess what your team is before you make a deal like that. And uh, I think if you're Vegas, you don't want to rush to any conclusions about your team just yet because you have Mark Stone on the shelf, you have Max Pacioretty on the shelf, two of your best forwards, and you're clearly not playing your best hockey right now. They, they did get a big win this week in Colorado against the Avs, which I, I think was extremely impressive for the roster that Vegas is icing right now. But even with Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty healthy, I, I do think you have to look at this roster and say, where, where do we need help? What can push us over the edge? Because clearly Vegas is trying to win a cup now. They, you know, they, they've pushed their chips into the middle, no pun intended for, for Vegas. And I think you have no choice at this point but to double down. Like you can't, you can't bring the chips back. I think you're already in at this point. And going after a Jack Eichel, if you can obviously make it work with the cap, I think could be a, a lane here for Vegas to go towards in the future. I don't think it's going to happen here anytime soon, but I just look at what they need and they desperately need help down the middle of the ice. Chandler Stevenson is really solid down the middle. He, he plays better when Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty are on his wings and uh, you know his, his plays taking a bit of a hit with those guys on the shelf right now, but I still really like him as a top six center, whether that's first line with Stone and Pacioretty or whether that's on the second line, however you want to order it, but you need something else. If you're going to win a cup, you need something else down the middle, and Jack Eichel could certainly be that answer in Vegas, and I will say too, one thing about Vegas, they haven't been shy to make moves uh, a few yeah. years into this thing. They are a team that seems to be in on basically everybody, and it didn't feel like they had to go out and get, sign Alex Petrangelo, but they did it anyways because they could, and they felt like like they needed to, and that it could push them over the edge. So they're a team that, that doesn't feel like they're afraid to make that big move. So I, I would certainly have them in my, if there was a Jack Eichel Powell rankings, they would certainly be somewhere in the top three. Where are you at with Colorado right now? Concerned. I, I think you got to be concerned with the start, but but overall, I think they're going to figure it out. I, it's just there's just too much talent on that team. They started the year without Nathan McKinnon. He was on the shelf, um, you know, battling the the, the COVID nineteen issues. So he's back. He's healthy. It, it was a disappointing performance this week. I got to be honest against Vegas. You had a team that beat you in the playoffs last year in your own barn. They're missing their two best players. This is your chance to get at least a little bit of revenge. And they kind of no showed that game. They scored a goal late in the second period to cut it to two one. And I was excited for the third. I thought, okay, this is just going to be a wave of avalanche uh, coming at Vegas. And I didn't really see it in the third period. So like I said, you know, out of some of the, the teams that we expected a lot from that are struggling, I think I'm less concerned about Colorado than maybe some others, just because I do believe in the talent that they have, but they're just flat out not playing good enough right now. And, and they need to find it. Luckily for them, time is on their side. And I do think that the Western Conference and the Central Division are going to wait around for them a little bit. It's not as competitive as the Eastern Conference where it can get away from you really quickly. Teams like Montreal in the East feel like they're already out of it at this point with, with how many points you're going to need to make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. So I'm not concerned about Colorado. They have a long time to figure it out, but a sketchy start for them, two and four through six games, and, and they're just not playing very well. You know, with the addition of Philippe Deneau to to the Kings, it seems like Kopitar has like another lease on life. It seems like he's playing with a little bit more fire. And Drew Doughty, yeah. he had a great start to the season, which he really needed. And, you know, this this L.A. team is fired up. Where are you at with the Kings? Well, I love the Kings. I don't know if I was with you guys when we were talking about possible surprise yep. teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah you were. The year. You, you yeah, said the third spot, right? 
yeah, I, I like the Kings for the third spot. I said that on, on my show as well. And I'm, I still do like that. I, the only thing that's holding me back now is the Drew Doughty injury and how long he's out for. And they also just lost Sean Walker, uh, another one of their top four defensemen for the entire season. So wow. to lose those two blue liners for basically the next couple months and Walker for the whole year, I don't know what that blue line is going to look like moving forward. So uh, that does you know make me a little bit hesitant to, to still be in on the Kings this year. But when you look at the numbers and you watch them play on a nightly basis they're playing pretty good hockey like you know I'm not trying to make excuses for a team that only has one win uh through six games and that one win came in in their first game of the season it was actually a dominant effort too but I like the way that they're playing for the most part. They're actually first in the league in terms of shots on goal per game. So they're generating a ton of chances. And I think they're 28th in the league in shooting percentage right now. So those numbers tend to balance out over the course of a season. And it feels like they're getting a little bit unlucky with some of the finishing that, that's going on in LA. So I, if I'm the Kings, I, w- I would trust in what you're doing. Continue to generate those scoring chances because they are generating them in droves early in the season. But I, I am concerned about what that blue line is going to look like. That's a really tough break to to lose both of those guys this early in the season. You know, earlier we were talking about, um, actually in a, in a previous podcast, we were talking about Jack Hughes and, you know, just how, you know, some players, they come into the league, even though they're number one draft pick really early. And this year he was definitely making his presence known and he, he unfortunately su- suffered that shoulder dislocation. And, but he was playing, uh, I thought he was playing really, really well. How are you with, yeah. the, with the Devils right now? Yeah, well, I, I was really bullish on the Devils coming into this season. The only, you know, knock, I guess if it was a knock on them going in, was that I just thought it was going to be difficult for them to make the playoffs in that Metropolitan Division and the Eastern Conference. Like, you can make a case, really, for all eight teams in the Metro to make the playoffs. And and you could have maybe said seven going into the season because I don't think any of us were expecting much from Columbus, but the Jackets look pretty good to start the year. So maybe they want to be a part of that conversation as well to possibly sneak a playoff spot this year. So the division, the conference is working against New Jersey, but strictly just watching them play, I like what I see. I like a lot of the young talent. It's unfortunate what what happened to Jack Hughes. I was actually watching that game live when he went down, and you could tell he was frustrated. You could tell he knew he was going to be out for, for some period of time. Uh, and it is frustrating just as a general hockey fan to see a star player like that, a young player, guy in a contract year that's, that probably wants to go out and kill it and get paid this year to go down like that early in the season is, is certainly frustrating. They have goaltending issues right now as well. Blackwood hasn't been able to play. Jonathan Bernier has been hurt. So they've had to go to Nico Dawes, a 20 year old kid that should be playing in the American hockey league right now. So once they get their goaltending situation figured out, both goaltenders are healthy. Hopefully Jack Hughes comes back sooner rather than later. I think they're a deep team offensively. I, I'm, I'm really been loving watching a guy like Pavel Zaka up front. He's coming into his own. Good to see Nico Heischer healthy as well. I'm a big fan of Sharon Govich, who they have up front as well. So I like the Devils. I think they're a fun, young, exciting team. Uh, just need to get that goaltending uh, situation figured out, get those guys healthy. Before I hit up the Rangers, I'm going to hit up the other New York New York team, the Islanders. Ooh. Talk about a team that's mm. just that will grind you and grind you and grind you and then and then pour on a little bit of offense to kind of put you yeah. away. Where are you at with the with the my Islanders? Pick. Is that was that your pick, Matt? Yeah, the, was my your, Stanley Cup pick. Your cup yes. pick. Okay. Yeah, I not, not a bad Lebeck pick. Was going to be like the guy to get him over. 
it it feels yeah. like they've they've been inching closer and closer towards it the last few years, right? They lose in the, in yeah. the third round, two straight seasons to the eventual winner in Tampa Bay. Uh, the brutal start to the year in terms of the schedule for them, right? And and they had to wait yeah, for that new home new game. Yeah, yeah, the new that new building won't be ready, uh, and they won't play a home game until November twentieth, which feels like a long wow. long ways away. Uh, but that'll be fun for them to get that new building. I'm sure it'll be that'll be a really cool environment. I think that actually is a Saturday night too that they'll open the, uh, up that building. So that'll be a hot ticket uh, for Islanders fans. I, I think you just want to tread water. Yeah, 13 game road trip to start the season. It's almost unheard of. I think you just want to come out of that with you know seven wins, eight wins if you can get there uh, would be really really good. And then and then you'd feel great about yourself because you got so many home games on the back end. You play 13 road games to start. You're gonna have a heavy home slate coming uh, coming home late in the season, right? So you can look at it a couple different ways for the Islanders, but they got off to a shaky start, but I don't think we should be too surprised because their first two games on the road trip were in Carolina and in Florida, two two teams that are undefeated right now and can't be stopped. So uh, I didn't read too much into, into those games. And then uh, they shut out Arizona and Vegas last weekend. They don't even allow a goal in either game. And Ilya Sorokin just looks red hot. So uh, I like the way that the Islanders are, are playing. I think they're still playing Islanders hockey right now. It really seemed like they figured it out after those first couple games. So I'm with you, Matt. I, I don't have them as my cup pick, but they're a team that would be in that group of five teams, I think, that are very capable of, of winning the cup. And it feels like a team that's built for the playoffs. I should say, too, on the Islanders, they did activate Semyon Varlamov from the injured reserve. I'm not sure if he's going to play Saturday's game in Nashville, but it does sound like he's healthy. So I don't know if Barry Trotz wants to go back to a Sorokin of Arlamov split this year, or if he continues to ride Sorokin, who's coming off of two straight shutouts. Yeah, keep him in there. He's high. Yeah. Yeah, I think Sorokin at one point earlier in the week was like 94 for 98. <laughs> wow. His last few games, which is absolutely incredible. Now onto the Rangers. You know, I, I didn't really see them really doing much this year, but they've been playing really well with the loss of, you know, Buchnevitz, I thought that they would have a, a really hard time this year, but it seems that uh, it, it seems like they've got it together. Where are you at with the Rangers? I actually got a chance to see the Rangers live uh, over a week ago when they came to Toronto. I went to the game. It was actually my first hockey game back in an arena since before the pandemic, because we, we weren't allowed to go to games here last year. There was no fans in, in Canada. So now we have fans back. I was able to go to a game. So it, that was a great experience for me just to be back in the building, especially seeing a couple skilled teams uh, in Toronto and the Rangers get to see Artemi Panarin live, which is always a treat. And oh, yeah. they, they got dominated in that game, to be completely honest. The Leafs were really, really good. I thought it was actually probably the best 60-plus minutes that the Leafs played all season. The game did end up going overtime, and the three-on-three overtime was just crazy. Igor Shosturkin was unbelievable. Like It just felt like nothing was going to beat him that night. It had to be an ugly goal, and the only goal that the Leafs scored was indeed an ugly goal. So I think the Rangers are relying maybe a bit too much on goaltending here early in the season. I think they have better hockey in them. The good thing, if you're a Rangers fan, is the record is still good. I don't think we've seen the best of them yet, top to bottom in their lineup. Like I said, I think they have more to offer, but the the goaltending is holding them together. They're getting it from Igor Shosturkin. If that continues all season, they're eventually going to find that offense and find that consistency. I think they're a dangerous team, and I I think they this is the year they have to make the playoffs. Like I don't think you can miss the playoffs with this talented of a roster, with the goaltending that you have. 
everything that's gone their way over the past few years. They've been fortunate with the draft lottery, some free agents that have wanted that have wanted to go there as well. I don't think you can miss the playoffs. Like this is the time where we need to start seeing some results. Off to a good start with the record, and and now it's up to the Rangers to keep this up and lock down a playoff spot later in the year. You know, when when the offseason started and Dougie Hamilton ended up going to the Devils, you know, I, I was really kind of curious why he wouldn't want to stay in Carolina to, you know, they had a really good chance to make the, to make the, the cup finals, man. If they could have just mm-hmm. stayed out of the box versus yep. Tampa. Beat themselves. I mean, essentially they beat themselves. Where are you at with, with the Canes? I know that they're undefeated. I Is know that, that they look really, pick? really strong. And I know that they are, you know, that they are, they're really pouring it on, man, without Dougie Hamilton, which I wasn't expecting. So uh, do you see them being maybe like the the team that could take down Florida? Well, to answer Matt, too, the Canes were actually my yeah. pick last year uh, for the playoffs yeah. to, to win the Cup. I actually picked the Panthers uh, this year, which off to a great start. <laughs> I like they what the Panthers the are too. doing. Yeah, yeah but un- un- unfortunately for my Panthers pick, you don't win the Cup in, in October. So it's nice to yeah. see them starting well, uh, but we got a long way to go to get that one right. But I, the Canes are a team that I, I really debated with myself to pick as well. I was like, okay, well, I picked them to win the Cup last year. You know, besides Dougie Hamilton, it's still relatively the same roster. I wasn't too concerned about the Dougie Hamilton departure. I would have liked to see him stay there. You know, Carolina is a better team with him back there, but I understand you just can't keep anybody. And, and maybe Dougie Hamilton just priced himself out of town uh, and he gets his big money, big, huge contract with the New Jersey Devils. So I, I just thought they had the depth on the back end to be able to sustain it. And I, I just think they built such a culture there in Carolina that no matter who's putting on that jersey, they're all buying in. They're they're, they're all playing together. They're playing as a team. Whatever Rod Brendamore is, uh, is selling to these guys, they're all buying it. And and we've seen that over the past few seasons. So I think it's only a matter of time before this team you know, has a, that huge run in the playoffs, makes the cup final, maybe even wins the Stanley Cup. And they look like that team early, early in the season. They dominated the Leafs on Monday. I, the Leafs scored the first goal in that game. Austin Matthews got his first of the season. But the 4-1 final was flattering, I think, to the Leafs. It could have been 7-1, 8-1, the way that the Canes were dominating that game. And I think they have the ability to do that to a lot of teams on a nightly basis with how they can roll four lines. And, and Rod Brennamore really has that team dialed in this year. Now, what about Florida? Like Florida, you know, they just seem like to be running away with it, to be honest with you. It looks like they could just, they're just so strong. Everybody from, from the top down is, is contributing, playing well offensively and defensively. Do you think that Florida is the new favorite in Florida? Basically, everything I just said about Carolina, I could say in a way for Florida in terms of you know what they've built there. I just think for Carolina, they've done it for a bit longer. Uh, Florida's kind of the new kid on the block right now, and I'm curious if they can keep this up. Like They look dominant on a nightly basis. I think they are the best team in the state of Florida right now, especially with the fact that Tampa Bay doesn't have Nikita Kucherov. And you can say, well, Tampa Bay didn't have Kucherov last year in the regular season, and they were just fine, and that's true. But this is a different Tampa team. They lost an entire third line, and now they don't have Nikita Kucherov. So I still think Tampa's going to be fine, but I just think if you look at the two rosters right now, Florida, Tampa Bay, the the Panthers are clearly the better of the two teams. They won the only matchup that they had against each other this year as well. 
Uh, Florida's getting good goaltending as well right now. Sergey Bobrovsky looks like he's you know, maybe not worth the, the money that he's getting, but he's he's close to it the way that he's playing right now. And Spencer Knight's going to get his fair share of games as the young goaltender in town there too. Panthers were my pick to win the Atlantic. They were my pick to, to win the Stanley Cup as well. And I'm certainly not going to waver on that after a 7-0 start. I'm seeing everything I wanted to from Florida so far. You know, Matt, me and Matt have been talking, you know, and kind of just scratching our heads. And what kind of team is Dallas? You know, it's it's like I just don't know what is going on out there. I'm actually watching Dallas as I talk to you guys right now. <laughs> they're they're, yeah. they're throwing yeah they're throwing a bit of a blanket over over Vegas, but Vegas is playing on the second half of a back to back. So this is a, a pretty tough spot, I would say, for the the Vegas Golden Knights in this game. I'm still trying to figure out Dallas too. Like I can never figure out the Dallas Stars. Um, you know, the one year where I thought I, I really didn't like them, they ended up making the Stanley Cup final. Then the next year, I'm on them, and they and they can't make the playoffs. So. This year, I'm kind of just neutral on them, and I'm going to wait and see what happens. But it feels like they're reverting back to that old Dallas Stars, trying to lock it down, play defensive, which I think can work. But you know what made them successful that year in the playoffs where they made the cup final is we saw their offense take shape, and we saw them kind of run and gun a little bit. You don't want to get loose defensively, but I, I do think you want to still be able to push the pace offensively and keep up in this league. So I'm looking at Dallas to hopefully do that a little bit more, maybe find some line combinations that work because I think they have talent offensively. It's just the system that they play sometimes tends to be a little bit boring, uh, and you find yourself chasing the game if you get down early. I'm glad we're not alone, Matt. <laughs> because I, we, I mean, I was like, I, I don't know what to what, what to make of this team. You know, like you I don't four even, goalies. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> They're just cornering the goalie market, so no right. one else gets to have just any goalies. Just give Edmonton one, and then we're going to be <laughs> yeah. good. That's funny. That's I was just going to mention. Connor a goalie, please. <laughs> I was going to mention Edmonton. How are you on on Edmonton, Jake? Well, no, it's actually funny you bring up Edmonton and and Matt's mentioning the goaltending. That was my knock on the Oilers in this offseason. It's like, yeah, look, like we can all agree that Connor McDavid's the best player in the NHL right now. And you you might be getting peak Connor McDavid right now. Like when we look back in 10, 15 years and we look back at the best years of Connor McDavid statistically, we're probably living in them right now over, you know, I don't know how long it's going to last. It could be three years, four years, five years of where Connor McDavid is at his very, very best. And you have to try to win a Stanley Cup while you have that because this is a generational player and you're very lucky to have him on your roster. So if you're Edmonton, you need to take advantage of that and I think not addressing the goaltending in the situation uh, goaltending situation in the offseason is is doing the exact opposite you know I all due respect to Mike Smith I, I have a lot of respect for the guy still giving it at his age you know and uh, I'm not a huge Miko Koskinen uh, believer but to have those two as your goaltenders going into the playoffs I, I just don't see that winning a Stanley Cup I think you can dominate the regular season with the roster that you have but come playoff time I, I just think you need better between the pipes so I'm not sure if that's something the Oilers can address mid-season, but it was something I wanted them to address in the off-season, and they didn't. Yeah, they went with Keith instead. Yeah. They look good, though. Like, they look dominant uh, in terms of what they're doing up front, and Connor McDavid looks unbelievable, but I, I still have my concerns about that goaltending combo in the playoffs. Kostinen just, he gave up a wraparound against uh, Claude Giroux, and it was <laughs> poorly done. The Stinky. technique was terrible. Yeah. So where are you at with the Senators? Because they just recently got their big guy back, Brady Kachuk, got him all signed up, long multi-year deal. Do you think that they're maybe a couple years out from competing? 
Yeah, I, I do. Th- I don't think it's this year for Ottawa uh, as much as, you know, maybe some people were looking at them as a possible dark horse team to maybe make some noise this year. I, I just think there's it's too competitive in the Eastern Conference. Like there's going to be some really good teams that miss in the Eastern Conference. I think they should be a playoff team that might have 94, 95 points in the standings and miss. And I just don't see Ottawa even getting to that threshold. So I think this is still a building year for them. You, you let your young players continue to get, get better. You build something here with this core but I you know try to try to put a year on it I do think you got to target next year maybe the year after to finally start seeing some results because I don't think you can keep looking at it and saying well we're two years away we're three years away we're two years away we're three years away at some point you have to make that move so I I would target you know if I was a sense fan I'd be targeting next year or possibly the year after it as a year where maybe you can take that step to make the playoffs yeah I I think that he's going to just the way he's playing, you know, he's playing very, very well. Obviously the, you know, the skating camp that he was doing with Quinn Hughes and Peterson in uh, in Michigan definitely played uh, paid off because he doesn't look like he's he's skipping a beat. What do you think's going on with Calgary? Well, he, Calgary should have been the team I mentioned off the top as one of the best surprises this year. And they're, they're a true surprise to me. Like, I can look at teams that are off to a good start, but some of it doesn't surprise me. I'm not surprised that Carolina is off to a good start, or Florida, or even Edmonton, for that matter. But Calgary is a true surprise for me. I don't know where you guys stood on the flames coming into this year, but they were a team I was not high on at all. And I, I just had no idea where they were going. Not sold on their core of Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan. But it doesn't seem to matter. Those guys aren't really the ones that are producing. It's Elias Lindholm who's got seven goals for them. Andre Mangiapane has seven goals for them. And they really see, they really seem to be buying into to Daryl Sutter hockey right now. They're, they're, they're rolling on this current road trip that they're on. So I, I don't know if this will last. If maybe Calgary will come back down to earth and they're just riding a bit of, of a high early in the season. But Based on what I've seen, they, they passed the eye test for me, and I think they're a team we have to look at now in the Pacific Division because we knew there was a spot, maybe even two spots in the Pacific there for the taking, and the Flames look like they want to go take one this year. So I'm for it. I you know I, Like I said, I wasn't high on the Flames coming into this year, but I'd like to see them play well, and I would love to see a, a Calgary-Edmonton uh, playoff matchup on that Pacific side of the bracket. I think that would be great. So, Matt, what do you got, man? Well... We're talking about Sutter. I think the Sutter-like coach is what the Blackhawks need. I think we need to get better in our own zone. And um, I think a Sutter-like guy would be great. Um, it's The problem is who's available like that? Do you have any guys in mind, Jake? Like John Tortorella. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Bruce Boudreaux is more of a, yeah. you know, an offensive kind of, kind of guy, but... I just think this Colleton experiment is not working and it's we got we need a win. We got to change it up. Well, I do think uh, I've always said this about John Tortorella is like he can certainly wear on a room. And I think that happened in Columbus where he just had to go. He'd been there long enough. Uh, they needed to make a change. They needed a fresh voice. But John Tortorella, to me, has had always been, in my mind, the best like midseason replacement type coach. Just a guy that it's not working for you. You know, and you, we're using the Chicago example here with Jeremy Carlton. It's not working for you. Bring Torts in to really wake up the guys. See if you can get something. You don't even have to keep them long term. Just keep them for the year and see if you can catch lightning in a bottle. Because I think that's how Torts can have his effect on a team. Kind of like a quick hit. I feel like if he's there for three, four years. He just starts to wear on the players. Long term, I would like to see more of a, a, a coach like Bruce Boudreaux. I really 
really like Bruce Boudreaux a lot. I think he's a great head coach, and he shouldn't be out uh, without a job for too long, in my opinion. I know he's doing a lot of media right now. He's working yeah, for he NHL is. Network. He's done some some work for our channel on SiriusXM NHL as well. Great guy uh, to talk good. to if you ever yeah. if you ever get it. Yeah, great guy. He's done a great job too on on the air, I must say. But I think he'll be back in the head coaching game sooner rather than later. And he would be somebody, if, if I'm looking for a long-term replacement, I'd, I'd more so be looking to him. But if I'm looking for the quick fix, trying to squeeze something out of a current season, I'd maybe look more towards a guy like Tortorella. Yeah, it seems like Tortorella, like that's like his specialty to take a, you know, say like a failing team and completely change the culture, turn it around and turn them into a team that r- really believes in themselves. But then, you know, after, you know, about two years or so, he kind of wears out his welcome a little bit, you know. I don't think Columbus wanted to get rid of him. I think it was part of Patrick Laine. And I know that they, they made that big trade for him. And they need a superstar, like an elite player. We, we've we talked to some Columbus fans. They, they said, well, if it comes down to an elite player or, you know, a coach, that obviously they're going to go with that elite player, that which they yeah. haven't had in a while. And I think part of it was Tortorella probably like, you know what, I'm not going to win this battle. I'm just going to step aside. And and they only gave Line like one year. Do you think he's going to like end up getting like a long term deal after the season? I it's kind of like a it's a risky gamble for me. Yeah, well, I, the marriage wasn't working with Tortorella, obviously, and, yeah. and Patrick Laine. But now that Torts is out of there, he seems like he's rejuvenated. He's playing well. It's an Olympic year, too. I think that's really motivating Patrick Laine. Uh, he wants to be on Team Finland, and he, he will be. But I think he wants to to certainly solidify that spot and play well in an Olympic year. That's something that he's mentioned a couple times. I think the possibility is is there if they've found something now between the two sides. Like it's like you said, Columbus needs star players. Every star player, it seems like they get their hands on, they end up losing or the player wants out. Uh, it's unfortunate. So if they have a guy that wants to be there, that wants to be, uh, you know, sort of the driving force, then I think that's something that both sides would need to look into. Do you think that, you know, that Columbus is, they have like a good thing going on right now? Or do you think that, you know, say what they're, you know, the beginning of their season is kind of a fluke and they're going to come back down to earth? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's like it's fully a fluke, but I, I just don't think that they're going to have enough to make the playoffs in that Eastern Conference. It's just so competitive, like I said, with, with some of the other teams, like when you asked me about Ottawa. Um, I just don't think there's going to be enough chairs for those types of teams to get in. But I I don't think there's anything fluky about what they're doing. I I think they're buying in. I think they're playing solid defensively. They have good goaltending. And they've got sneaky skill up front. They have a couple of guys that are actually pretty good. Patrick Laine being one of them. Oliver Bjorkstrand being another one. Some young kids have stepped up like a a Cole Sillinger uh, who came over in in the trade in in the offseason. So... I, I think they've got enough there to be one of those pesky teams that hangs around for a while late in the season. I, I just think that they're going to run out of gas eventually and just not quite have the talent to compete for a spot in that Eastern Conference. Yeah, I think that they're good. I just think that they're in the wrong division, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I exactly. think that they could be really, really successful in another division. Um, what else you got, Matt? Well, I got this game on TNT, uh, the Oilers and Philly. It's kind of Scoring back and forth a little bit, but yeah, Cam Atkinson got yeah. Cam Atkinson just scored a goal, and I I still can't believe that that the Jackets traded this guy. I mean, I thought this guy was you know Mister Columbus. You know, you think of Columbus, you think of like guys like yeah. Cam Atkinson, like Rick Nash back in the day. I I do you have like any 
any info on that? Like, was it just a swap that they feel like they had it made, or did Philly just really want this guy? That one was a confusing one for me at the time because we rarely see those types of trades where it's like a true hockey trade, one-for-one type player. We always see, you know, a package for prospects or picks where one side's getting a really good player and the other side's sort of rebuilding. This one felt kind of like a lateral move in a way. You know, one team gets a good player, other team gets a good player. You can debate for yourself, you know, who you would rather have on your team. Um, But I just think the goal scoring ability of Cam Atkinson right now is better than what you're going to get from from Jake Voracek, who is a a great facilitator, a, a good hockey player too, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, that, that one was just a weird one. I couldn't really make sense of that trade when it when it happened, but maybe it was a situation for both sides where each player needed just a change of scenery uh, and, and a new spot. And Vorchex played decently for, for Columbus, but it, it feels like so far early returns, Philly's getting the, the better side of that one because Cam Atkinson is giving them a, another nice scoring punch up front. Oh, he's helping me tonight. He, I got him on my fantasy team, him and McDavid. So I'm racking up oh. the points tonight. Oh, you so got, well, you got McDavid. Good. That's McDavid is like a cheat code in fantasy. Oh, so. I was the first, <laughs> first ever, probably in the, all the years I've been playing fantasy, I got the first round pick, and oh. it literally took me. Bing! The draft begins. I clicked McDavid with it. It was you probably turn, the fastest pick ever. <laughs> turn, yeah. turn that card in quick and it, run it was away. Quick, like, and I was like, yeah. this is great. Yeah. I've I've never had McDavid uh, in in fantasy, and I play in a few leagues as well. So you think in, you think in one of them I'd get lucky and get the the first overall pick at some point. But it's it's actually he's actually so good now that it's at the point where you almost might have to start debating playing leagues without him or playing DraftKings and daily fantasy without him as an option. Like like Tiger Woods yeah. back when he was in his prime, you do <laughs> you do go, you do golf pools and you just take him out of the equation and you'd be like playing for second place or or something. Like that's how I feel like where we're at with McDavid in fantasy. <laughs> Yeah, that's like back in the day when we were playing NHL like 2000. No one's allowed to be the Red Wings. That's how yeah. it was. For yeah. All my friends were like, no, you can't be the Red Wings. It's an all-star team. It's not fair. And if you're the Red Wings, I'm going to be Team Sweden or something. That's like, yeah, yeah I get one of the international teams. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's funny. How does, uh, how's Dry Style on, uh, on uh, fantasy? Just the same, pretty much. Yeah. 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 Like he's like, he's like McDavid Light. He yeah. goes second. He goes second. Like he's point your next five lower or two points yeah. higher. It, it it depends on if McDavid feels like passing it to him more and not shooting. Yeah, I would but think it, that it, they're both cheat codes. It does feel like McDavid though. Um, he's really starting to shoot more, and we've talked about this on our show a couple times because I find the the rocket race already this year really interesting because Ovechkin uh, is doing his thing again, and he's he's right back at the top of, of the rocket race. I don't think any of us should have doubted him. Austin Matthews got off to a bit of a slow start. He was hurt for the first few games. He, he isn't really scoring yet. He was the the favorite in terms of the odds to win the rocket. But I actually think this could be a year where Connor McDavid wins it. He's shooting a lot more. Uh, he's just taking the puck to the net, and, and I feel like he has it in him to go and score 50-55 goals this year. And I, I think he, he scored in this game, right? So he's already at seven yep. Yep. on the season. He might even be by eight or nine by the time people listen to this if he scores a couple more uh, <laughs> against the Flyers. So I think this is a this is something to keep an eye on this year, it, which could be a fun rocket race. If you got McDavid, Ovechkin, I think Austin Matthews is eventually going to get up there, and maybe a couple of other guys. That could, that could be really fun to follow this season. 
I, I think Bertuzzi is going to win the Rocket. He's just going to like go like six more games not, with four goals apiece. <laughs> not, not not Andrew Mangiapane. I I my money is on the, the Mangiapane to keep it Ka- going. Kakaniemi, he's going to turn it up. Too that's six point one million. Contract. He's really he's yeah. really motivated. <laughs> he needs a couple big games. Do you think that uh, Ovechkin's going to break uh, Gretzky's record? I do. I, yeah, I do. I do think he's going to get there. I just think that he's going to want to do it, and he loves scoring goals. He's always loved scoring goals since the second that he comes in in the league, and he still looks really healthy. And if you're watching him this year, he looks like vintage Ovechkin again. So if he goes and puts up 50 this year, which he's, he's on pace to do already, I I'd see no reason why he can't go back and do it again next year. It's just a matter of when is he going to start slowing down. And I, I just think he's one of those players that's that's built differently, one of those freak athletes that's able to sustain it for a long time. And I think he's going to be able to keep playing. So I, I feel like it's just going to be up up to him if he wants to keep going and chase the record. And in my mind, I believe he's going to want to chase the record. I think he wants that. I think that's something that, that would mean a lot to Alexander Ovechkin. So I'm, I'm going to say he does get it done. I think, the, uh, I think the injury bug and father time are going to, Give him a pat on the back, man. You know, in the preseason, he went in for a routine hit and and he had a, a small injury and, you know, he left the game. Um, I, I, I don't want to, I'm not going to put it against him, but I think that if he can score at least 30 goals, I believe 30 goals a season for the rest of his contract, I think that he can do it. But he can't play that you know, that um, hard-hitting game that he used to play. You know, like he essentially just needs to go out there, go into his office and just fire one-timers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that, no, that's a good point too because, and when we look at a lot of players that have stayed healthy over the course of their careers, um, guys that rarely miss time, there's usually a, a reason for that. It's because they're not really going to the dirty areas. They're not really laying that body. There's a way that you can kind of protect yourself and stay healthy. Ovechkin has always stayed healthy, but he's he's always been a really physical player. And that's why he's such a freak. Uh, right. that he's able to play that physical kind of hockey and still stay healthy for this long. But you know, he's well into his thirties now. I don't think you could be banging bodies and I don't think the caps really need him to just, just go and score your 50 goals. We have other guys that can really play that physical game. I think the only thing is, you know, you're going to get into those intense moments where Ovechkin won't be able to help himself. He's, he's going to want to hit somebody. He's going to want to, to have that physical presence just because it's, it's in him. That's, that's part of who he is. So yeah, that, I think that would be the only thing that could really hold him back would be any sort of long-term injury. I feel like if he stays healthy, he's, He's going to give this a good run. They've practically got Nicholas Backstrom on life support over there trying to trying oh. to keep him going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that contract to Nick Backstrom as well that, that they signed. It's, it, uh, you know, I, I can't knock the Caps right now because they're playing great hockey and, and they look like the old Caps. But I was a bit worried going into the season. They gave Backstrom the big contract, big term uh, as an older player. They obviously gave it to Ovechkin as well, which I don't think anybody can can knock. You're obviously going to bring back Alex Ovechkin. He's he is the Washington Capitals. But when you did it with Backstrom as well, now you've got two older guys locked in long term here. Uh, that's a pretty dangerous place to be in in a league that seems to be trending a bit younger and younger. But the Caps are are proving me wrong so far early in the season, and it seems like the, the age isn't affecting them just yet. I mentioned this a couple podcasts ago, but I want to get your take on it. You know, uh, Evgeny Malkin's ready, or Malkin is is due for a new contract. Now, I, I would say that he's habitually hurt, injured every single year. Yeah. And, you know, he's getting paid, you know, uh, quite a bit of money. 
And I don't know what kind of money he's going to be expecting next year to be playing, you know, between 40 to 60 games a year. Do you think that the, the Penguins should just, you know, just say, hey, cut ties with them and, and free up, what is that, like 9 or $9.5 million in cap space? Well, I, yeah, I think the, the Malkin conversation is interesting because I— I don't see how the Penguins are going to be able to re-sign him after this. And I, I just don't think it would even be smart, too, with the injury history that he has to bring back a guy at, what, I think he's 35 years old right now, to sign him to whatever term that he would want to, to come back to this team with the salary cap situation that they're in. So I, I I don't feel like he's going to be a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins next year. And then it the, the debate, you know, sort of becomes, what do you do with them? Do you try to get something for him? I just don't know what the market for Geno Malkin is right now because he's hurt. Um, and there's just, you know, you, there's the injury concern for him going forward as well. So the only thing that's really sure in my mind is that I don't think he's going to be a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I feel like it could just be a situation where they let him go to free agency and they, they don't end up getting anything for him because I just, just don't believe there's going to be a, a big market for him or the ability to make a trade for, for Geno Malkin with the money that he's making this year. Yeah, and if you really think about it, with that with that free cap space, they can go out and get another center and a, and a good goalie. Yeah, yeah, two two things that they desperately need. Although they are getting the goaltending for, from Tristan Jari uh, early in the season, I know he there was a big knock on him in the playoffs for how he played last year, and Love rightfully him. so. Yeah, he 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 did not play well in in the playoffs uh, for sure. But you know they they paid him; he's there. I think Casey DeSmith is a pretty solid backup as well. So they have goaltending. Is it the best in the league? No, uh, but I I do think that's something that a lot of people are going to have their eye on if uh, Pittsburgh makes the playoffs again this year. Is how's Tristan Jari going to hold up? Because he he certainly didn't play well last year. Well, cool, man. Matt, do you got anything, dude? Yeah, I want to jump back to Edmonton real quick. Do you think that they might possibly make a move for, like, say, a, a goalie that's out there? Like, say, like, Dallas has one of them, like Ottinger, maybe <laughs> Kudobin, maybe Corpusello from um, Columbus, somebody like that, mm-hmm. just for, like, a playoff insurance type of thing in, in case Smith doesn't... Well, I don't think the Smith thing is going to work anyway, but I, I think that they should try to attempt to get a goalie. Yeah, well, I, I think you mentioned some interesting names there. Like Dallas has certainly cornered the market on goaltenders. So if you need a goaltender, I guess go to Dallas and, and call them and see if you could pry one of those guys away from them. And you know, we could joke about those goalies in Dallas, but I think uh, pretty much all of them are better options than what Edmonton has. Yeah, so if you can get them. one of them, yeah, yeah t- take it. And you might not have to pay too big of a price to get a goaltender like that into Edmonton. I, I just think with where they're at with their goaltenders – it wouldn't take much to have an improvement. You know, it's not like we're asking them to go out and get Vasilevsky. They don't need to get the best goaltender in the world. But I think you just you need to give Connor McDavid and these guys at least adequate goaltending. Uh, and I'm not trying to knock Mike Smith here. I, I think it's impressive what he's still doing at 39 years old. I'd actually be comfortable going into the playoffs with fill-in-your-blank starter that Edmonton trades for and then Mike Smith as the backup. I'd, I'd be comfortable yeah. with that. If if Smith ends up getting into some games, so be it. I, I think that he's somebody that has a lot of experience and he could step up in that role. I just think ultimately if you're going to try to win the Stanley Cup – that's something that you need to be looking at. And I think Edmonton has a legit chance this year. They have two of the best players in the world, the best player in the world in Connor McDavid. A blue line, I believe, is solid and continues to improve. 
Now it's just a matter of, of solidifying that goaltending position. So I like a lot of the names that you mentioned. The Dallas situation maybe one of those guys in, in Columbus as well. Tar- targeted team possibly that is out of it, you know, towards the deadline that might have a, an enticing uh, goaltender that you can bring in. So we have a lot of racetrack left here for the Oilers to figure it out. And I'm, I'm not concerned about the regular season for them. So I think they should stay patient for now and, and see if maybe they can find one. Are there going to be any goalies on the market for, for next year for free agency? Well, I think there should be quite a few because a lot of the goaltenders now in the NHL are not signing long-term deals. They're, right. they're just they're not getting long deals anymore. I know Bob got that big deal with the the Florida Panthers, but for the most part, a lot of these goaltenders are signing one, two, three-year deals uh, with teams, and, and teams just really aren't committing to them. So, you know, we joked last off-season about the goaltending ca- carousel and how goaltenders were just switching from team to team to team. I think I think we're that's going to be a trend now in the NHL. You're going to see a lot of that in the offseason where there's just the same names available pretty much every single year. We'll call them mercenaries. We'll call them mercs. Yeah, <laughs> mercenaries for Anderson. hire. He found a good team he can fit into. He, he just got to win that big game in the playoffs. That's what he's got to do. Right, and that is, that's kind of been the knock on Frederick Anderson at times is when the pressure gets cranked up he seems to play his worst hockey. So I, I would be a little fearful of that if I was Carolina getting into the playoffs, but he's in a much better situation and a yep. much better spot than he was. Less crazy in, in people Toronto. too, yelling yeah, at him. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The, the media will be a lot easier on him in Carolina and the team in front of him is a lot more defensively sound. You know, the, the I, Leafs I think are that's why sound. he's been better. I think he yeah. found an atmosphere where it's comfortable and it's less pressure and he's been really good for them. Really. Yeah. Good. And, and we'll, we'll see how he fares come, come playoff time because I assume Carolina is, is obviously going to be a playoff team this year. And I think that's that's where we're really going to see if the, if this works out for, for Frederick Anderson. And, uh, you know, you, we can say that the media in Carolina isn't the same as Toronto, and it certainly isn't. But come playoff time, pressure is pressure. You're still oh, yeah. going to have that pressure built on yourself no matter what market you're playing in, the closer and closer you get to the Stanley Cup. So I, I believe in Frederick Anderson. I think he's a really talented goaltender, and I think he's in a really good spot now, insulated with a good solid blue line and a team that, that buys in in front of him, whereas Toronto was a, a bit a bit of a mess defensively at times. Not the worst team defensively, but uh, not nearly as good as what he has in Carolina now. Well, Jake... You don't disappoint, man. Every single time <laughs> you come out here and you give us a home run and knock, you knock it out of the park, a touchdown or a hat trick, whatever you want to call it. We're Since we're going over all, uh, all sports today or hole in one, because oh, as a matter of fact, congratulations to you. You got your first hole in one this summer, yes. didn't you? Nice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, that was probably the highlight of the summer for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I don't think. I don't think I'm gonna really top that. So, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was actually the last time I went golfing too because the the weather turned here. So I, I'm still telling people that I'm on a hole in one. Go streak. off with a bang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I might. Exactly. Just, I might just never golf again. I might just. <laughs> I might just retire now. I'll put put the clubs away because I don't think it's gonna get better than that <laughs> for me. So I'm gonna. I may. I'm gonna try to keep my hole in one streak going. So the longer I don't play golf, the longer I. <laughs> I can keep the streak alive. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, hey, man, once again, I really appreciate you coming on. We'll yeah. see you uh, We'll see you a month from now. We'll recap uh, the month of November. We'll see how that goes. Because who knows, man, This everything that we talked about today could completely change, you know? And, and I think that's a really cool thing of hockey because once a team gets hot, you know, they start taking on guys and, and, you know, cold streaks come in and, you know, they're, you know, pretty much the same thing as hot streaks. You know, they're, they're really bad. 
Yeah, the Hawks yeah. might be 0 and 20 by the time we talk to Jay. <laughs> yeah, we, we might could have be him. singing a we could be singing a different tune on a lot of these teams oh, a month from now. Yeah. Maybe we'll have Tortorella too, and then I'll yeah, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but anyways, thanks again, man. We'll see you yeah. again in a month, and wow. that's all that we got tonight. This is the Tomahawk, and we're out of here. <laughs>